Good late evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Lost in Time podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Nelly. This is episode two. Unfortunately, this episode, my wife could not join me on, as we discussed in the beginning of the shows. Unfortunately, there are some places that only I myself have visited, and unfortunately, my wife could not join me. So this is one of those occasions. Tonight, we will be discussing Manresa Castle, Fort Townsend, Washington State. For those of you following on the Ghost Adventures episodes, this is Season 14, Episode 3. So again, I just want to open the show and say, I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas. I hope you all are having a fantastic Christmas holiday and season. I hope all of you got exactly what you wanted for Christmas But more than anything else, I hope we were all focusing on just how grateful we are to have our lives and the people who are within our lives. Okay, so that's enough preaching at you. (laughs) So again, this is episode two, Manresa Castle, Port Townsend, Washington State. This is a city just outside of Seattle on the western edge of the state of Washington. So let's get started. Manresa Castle, Washington State, is literally a castle. Well, it's shaped like one anyway. It's certainly as large as the castle and has dark secrets. And as you might imagine, it's crazy super haunted. Manresa Castle was built in 1892 by Charles and Kate Eisenbeiss. Mr. Eisenbeiss had his hands in literally just about everything you can imagine in the county various businesses and local shops and properties. He became so well-known that eventually he was elected mayor in 1878. When Charles died at the turn of the century, his wife Kate remarried and left the property sitting empty and abandoned for many years. Until eventually a man from Seattle bought it as a vacation spot for local priests and nuns. Which is odd because I didn't know priests and nuns had like designated Vacation spots. All right, you learn something new every day. All right, so eventually that prospect kind of fell by the wayside, and eventually the property was purchased again by a Jesuit priest theological society schoolhouse, basically for Catholic pastoral leaders and friars. The Jesuits had the property for the longest stint, adding on many layers and additions to the building as time went on. Eventually, the Jesuits sold the property yet again in the late 1960s, and the building became what it would eventually become its final form as a bed and breakfast. Manresa Castle currently has about 41 rooms, a large outdoor area in the front of the building, which is really good for weddings, gatherings, and various other social events. There's also a beautiful gardenscape on the property, set to a Victorian age styling and landscaping. Now, to the fun stuff. The real reason why I know you're all here. Supposedly during the time of the Jesuits, a monk hung himself in the castle turret. Apparently he was lonely and unhappy at the schoolhouse. That's one death. In room 304, a woman was staying at the castle awaiting for her husband's return from World War I. Days before his homecoming, he was unfortunately killed. Upon news and hearing of this, 
the lady flung herself out of her fifth story window to the check-in area, what is now today the front of the building. That's two deaths. Those are the two deaths that we know of for sure. However, during the time of abandonment, we know the castle fell into ill hands. Drug addicts, the homeless population, various other vagrants occupied the building for many years. It fell into disrepair, and no one can really say what awful things truly took place inside the building during that time. Now that's enough of the administrative business. Let's get down to my own experiences, shall we? I have stayed at Manresa probably 10 to 15 times, roughly, throughout my time that I lived in Washington State. There's always something about the property that drew me in there. Every time I visited, I had a different experience. It was never the same. I stayed so much, I felt like the spirits there got used to my presence and almost recognized me every time I walked back through the door. I know that's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, whatever. Nevertheless... Here are the occurrences I have to share with you. On one occasion, I was hanging out during the day in the bar restaurant area alone. I was sitting at a table having a drink and a little bit of food. There was no one else around me, and the bartender had stepped away for the moment to a different room. Suddenly, I felt a cold draft on my head. Then what I can only describe as a soft, feminine, gentle hand stroked my neck and my cheek. I immediately jumped out of my seat and started looking around with a startled gaze, searching for the culprit. There was no one. I was alone in the room. So being that most of us, or I would assume most of you listening to this, are some kind of ghost show fans, whether that be ghost adventurers or ghost hunters, what do we do? We all, upon having some kind of experience, we automatically get into debunking mode. Okay, there was a window open, or there was a fan going, or perhaps someone snuck in and was just playing a prank on me. There has to be some kind of logical reason as to what just occurred. Unfortunately, I could not debunk this. This was late November. The heat was on, and there was no ceiling fan or air conditioning in this old building. There simply was no logical explanation. And if you're wondering to yourself, no, I was not drunk, nor was I impaired. I was stone cold sober, my friends. To this day, this occasion, this interaction, this physical interaction with some kind of spirit or entity is the most jarring occasion I've ever experienced in my life, hands down. The second experience I'd like to share with you I had on another visit. My favorite thing to do it was to wait till really super late when all the guests had gone to bed, even the night front desk clerk left to go home, leaving me to explore unabated. There was a large dance hall just off the front main entrance near the front desk. In the 70s, they had used it for dance competitions and classes. It was a large room with windows lining the walls. The floors were of a natural wood original. There was a grand piano sitting there by itself, waiting for someone to play it. There was also a long purple curtain that separated the two halves of the room. I slipped behind the curtain divider and turned off all the lights. I stood in the darkness for a moment. Then I began to do what Zach Bagans does, which is I began to taunt the spirits. (laughs) 
uh, I'll advise you, don't do this unless you have a lot of experience in it. I promise you, if you start taunting and you upset something and it's evil or demonic, it will follow you home. Trust me. Okay. So I remember standing there behind the purple curtain in the pitch blackness saying something like, Hey, who's there? Who's here with me? If you're there, say something. What are you scared of? What are you, a coward? Will you speak to me or what? Suddenly, in my right ear, up close and personal, a man's voice spoke clear as the day, saying, Yeah. This response perked me right up. I practically jumped right out of my skin and spun around expecting to see some guest messing with me or perhaps one of my friends just kind of, you know, giving me a scare. But yet again, just like the previous experience, no one was there. I was all alone. There were several other moments that occurred that were not as impactful. However, I can say without a doubt, Manresa Castle is haunted by something or someone. I do not believe it is evil or malicious. It feels like lost, trapped souls seeking companionship or someone to hear their stories. I do recall on another occasion I was laying in the bed on the third floor. And I remember seeing multiple shadow figures dancing around on the ceiling. I also do remember I had a bathrobe hanging up in the bathroom. And for some reason it fell off the hook multiple times through the night despite my efforts to secure it tightly to the door. So again, this is all mostly poltergeist activity and some spirits with what I regard as unfinished business. Certainly not demonic or evil from what I can tell. I also found lots of activity in the breakfast area. One night I was walking near the front desk. It was probably about 2 a.m. All the staff had gone home. The staff usually leaves at 10 p.m. When all of a sudden there was a huge crashing sound in the kitchen. I walked down the stairs into the breakfast nook and opened the kitchen door and shined my flashlight all around as best I could. And I saw nothing. Nothing had fallen. Nothing had been broken. So once again, multiple unexplained occurrences, some physical in nature, some poltergeist activity for sure. If you happen to be in the Seattle area, I highly recommend you check out Port Townsend and Manresa Castle. And the Ghost Adventures episode, if you haven't seen it already, was truly fantastic as well. At the close, at the end of this episode, I would just add, again, if you're going to travel to haunted locations, uh, places where people have passed away, just remember to be respectful. Uh, I know that if you watch Ghost Adventures, we've all seen Zach Bagans take his shirt off and threaten to uh, beat the shit out of ghosts, <laughs> which if you think about it is kind of absurd as ghosts are made of inanimate material and they don't exist in our plane of existence anymore. So how on earth you would go about punching a ghost in the face? I'm not really sure. <laughs> so even though Zach Bagans does that for theatrics on the show, I would advise all of you out there. If you're a amateur ghost advent adventurer or amateur ghost hunter, when you go out to places where people have passed away, just have some reverence and some respect for the dead and approach the situation as you want to learn and understand paranormal worlds and you want to investigate them, but you don't want to disrupt or be rude. That's the best way to approach it, I think. 
So again, Manresa Castle, Port Townsend, Washington State. It's a beautiful area, beautiful state, uh, beautiful property. I think the rooms are fairly cheap. Uh, it's great for a one-night or a two-nighter. If you can, stay in multiple floors so you might get an opportunity to see or experience different things. I would definitely ask the front desk if you can explore the basement area. The basement area is super creepy, super weird. You get some weird feels down there and some good pictures and the attic as well. Thank you all so much for joining me on this new episode, episode two of the Lost in Time podcast. I had a wonderful time telling you about these places. Stay tuned for new episodes soon. Hopefully I will get my wife on one of these episodes and we can talk about experiences that we have had together. Thank you all so much and continue to have a great 2021. Go in peace and enjoy. Good night.